0: Welcome to RLF Radio, the only show that helps young baseball players and their parents prepare for high school athletics and beyond. Brought to you by the Ryan Lemon Foundation, with your host, Dick Owens, Guy Lemon. Hey everybody, welcome to RLF Radio. I'm Dick. Uh, Guy's out still playing golf somewhere. We haven't found him yet in two weeks, so we're going to try to find him pretty soon. Uh, We're going to go back. We have Justin Roswell with us again, uh, the Senior Director of Team One Baseball and Baseball Factory. And we're going to continue our conversation from our last uh, cast. So, Justin, welcome back. And uh, let's talk a little bit about you first and and how you got started in this business and, and where you've come from the very beginning.
1: Thank you, Dick. I appreciate you having me back on the show. Our I'm pleasure. Very, yeah, very privileged uh, to be in this platform, uh, helping athletes, helping families. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was a student at UC Santa Barbara back in 2000 and uh, took an internship with Baseball Factory in the spring of 2001 and uh, was given uh, multiple opportunities to uh, progress with the factory. At that point, we had about 10 full-time employees. Now we uh, employ about 80 full-time uh, factory employees uh, over a platform of three different sports. Wow. And we have about uh, 500 part-time guys that help us across the country. So we have grown and evolved as an organization uh, over the last 23 years. And 500
0: people that are employed part-time absolutely yes we doing what what do they we, do
1: we go to all 50 states a uh, variety of roles whether they're scouts whether they're coaches whether they're instructors whether they're a, an administrative role whether it's a uh, help functionality of our tournament whether it's a trainer whether it's uh, somebody helping on the under armor side we you know we have pockets of staff all across the country that help us uh do what we do every single day
0: you guys have really grown and been a big big partner of ours for the foundation and we really appreciate everything you do with for us Let's start a little bit here to talk about the list of schools and, and some of the criteria that you think is important that, that parents and players should know.
1: Absolutely, Dick, yeah you know we left off in our last podcast uh, talking about what uh, what an athlete should be doing. And you know for me, I feel that there are two things that they first and foremost before putting together a list of schools and the first thing you need to do is be realistic with where your abilities are at right now. And we as evaluators have to use the term evaluate, you know, professional scout has to look at an athlete and project an ability in three to five years. You know, major league baseball has a minor league system to help you to help that skill development progress. so You can be ready for major league baseball. Well, college coaches do not have time for your skill sets to develop over a three to five year period. They have maybe 12 months. They may have 18 months upon whenever they see you and start the recruiting process. So, we, as an organization, want to make sure that athletes and their families are realistic with the type of schools they should be targeting first. So first and foremost, they have to be realistic with where their abilities lie. The second component would be being proactive in your process. If you sit back and you wait for the phone to ring and you wait for you know, college coaches to send you emails, if you're not a top 100 baseball player in the country, Obviously, you have to be proactive in this process. And what I like to tell families, and if everybody wants to write this down, I like to give everybody five bulleted variables that we kind of have used as the gold standard for looking at schools. Uh, Bullet point number one will be academics. And academics start as a student athlete at the high school level, making sure that we're eligible as a student. Uh, making sure that we can get into a university academically, that means making sure we have all of the credited courses that we need to, to acquire to get into the university. We need to make sure that we have uh, the, the cumulative grade point average to make sure that we're eligible as a student. We also have to make sure that the standardized tests hit that level that that university is requiring. Uh, most colleges have a sliding scale, whether that be that you have a higher GPA and a lower test score or vice versa.
0: So the big thing there would be I need to take the SATs, right? Absolutely. And do I need to take the ACT also?
1: You know, Dick, every state is different. And every college is different. I always encourage uh, students to take both uh, depending upon their strengths academically. Uh, the, the SATs obviously has an English and a math component. Uh, the ACTs has a third component that you get to choose as a student. Uh, it's a history. It's a... Um, a different component that you, as a student may be stronger at, but most colleges will take those test scores from both uh, from both tests um, i do I do strongly strongly encourage athletes to take. SAT prep courses and typically the prep courses are not going to make you a smarter human being they're not going to make you a better uh, student but what they will make you do is become a better test taker they're going to teach you how to look at questions and make sure that you are attacking the right questions the SAT has a great thing where you do not get penalized for questions you do not answer but they will penalize you for questions you get wrong so in order and and SATs have what I like to call uh, easy, medium, and hard questions. Just like with, with baseball, we face an easy pitcher, we face a medium pitcher, we face a hard pitcher. We have to make sure that we, 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 we get every single one of those easy questions right. When we face that easy pitcher, we need to make sure we're going two for three or for three for three. With those medium questions, yeah, we can go one for three or two for three. The hard questions, sometimes we may, we may strike out three times. Sometimes we may we may walk three times. And we need to make sure that we are, 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 are proper test takers.
0: Now, one thing I, I know, counselors try a lot in high school to help the kids, and, and they're on the right track. And I think they certainly do a, an admirable job in most cases. But every once in a while, there might be a counselor that may not know all the rules of the NCAA. I would suggest, and I th- see if you would concur on that, go to the NCAA.org and l- make sure that your courses are correct in order to get on uh, into a Division One school, or two, or three.
1: Absolutely, Dick. Yeah, the NCAA, uh, their website obviously has a wealth of information, and every school is going to have unique requirements for your child to be admitted to that university academically. So you need to do your homework and find out what those admissions processes are. Is it two years of language arts? Is it three years? Is it two years of a foreign language? Or is it three years? Is it four years of math? Or is it three years? I've seen a lot of students over the over the years who thought that they only needed three years of math and then coasted their senior, their senior year come to find out that the school had changed their requirements and now they can't get in academically because they chose to take basket weaving their senior season and chose to take surfing so they missed out on that fourth year of, uh, of mathematics so you always want to make sure and do your due diligence with the university and obviously the guidance counselor you know they should do their homework they should help and guide you through the process but make sure that you do your homework as a family to go online and do as much research as you possibly can.
0: And as a family, as we talked about on our last podcast, we talked about the number of scholarships and the dollars that it really entails, which in a lot of cases isn't a lot when you're going to a school that's $50,000 a year so you really got to talk about finances right the parents need to decide that what they can afford absolutely can. yeah
1: you know bullet point number one dick is academics you know for us yep. bullet point number two is athletics you know we need yep. to make sure that that student uh is a good fit for that baseball program your son may be the best catcher in the country and he wants to go to arizona state and arizona state has a freshman sophomore junior and senior catcher so clearly there's a backlog of catchers he's going to look at your son and say hey mr owens we like we love your son we'd like to put him in center field or we'd like to make him a first baseman or hey you know what, Dick? We love your son. However, it's just not a good fit. We're, j- we're log jammed at catcher. Best of luck to you. So when you guys are looking at schools, you need to make sure that that position is available for you. You know, recruiting is a cyclical process. They don't need 25 new guys every single year. They may have graduated a third baseman. They may have graduated a first baseman. They may have graduated 12 kids. But every year is different. So you as a family have to make sure that you do your due diligence on the athletic side to make sure that you are Putting yourself in a position of success, you know, where you're going into an opportunity where it's, you know, you, the coach is going to say to you, "Hey, Dick, you know, we're we're going to give you the best opportunity to earn that job at shortstop." You know, no college coach in the country is going to say, "Hey, you're my starting shortstop." He's going to say, "It's your job to earn." So make sure that when you guys are looking at schools, you need, you need to make sure that is a good fit for you athletically. And you're
0: talking about what's API? The API. You're talking about graduation rates and that. What's, absolutely. How's that yeah, work?
1: It, it is the ranking that. Uh, the NCAA uses to identify where colleges rank it, with a whole gamut of variables. Uh, obviously, wins and losses, the retention rate, their graduation rate, uh, their their student size, uh, their tuition size. It's a whole variety of different uh, rankings that the NCAA have come up with. And obviously, you know, retention is, is a huge integral part. You want to make sure that those kids are going to that school and then they're staying at that school and they're not transferring year after year. Um, so obviously, the ranking is a component. Uh, they, you know, if you want to take the NCAA Division One level, for example, they there's three hundred and about thirty two Division I schools across the country. And I would say 1 through 100 are high Division One, uh, 101 through 200 are mid-level Division One, and 201 through 330, 331 are low-level low, low Division One. So your child is going to fall into one of those three categories, and at that point, you need to start looking at schools where you feel that you fit athletically in those different in those different arenas. So obviously, that that API ranking is going to rank your school based upon wins and losses, which is going to put you either one or all the way through 332.
0: And an API rating stands for what? What is it? Athletic? That is the
1: Athletic Performance Index.
0: Okay, and they
1: can actually lose scholarships, correct? Absolutely, yeah. The, the, like I said, the retention of, of student athletes—they can pull scholarships. They can uh, they can fine uh, institutions for not keeping students. Uh, depending upon the cumulative grade point average of baseball programs, they can uh, pull scholarships uh, for a year, two years, three years, whatever the you know the NCAA dictates to that school. Okay. And then finances, we started to touch on there a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the financial piece obviously has become very, very uh, important. Uh, you know, if if I give you five variables, you know, for your family, finances may be number one. Uh, finances may, may be number five down the list for you. But college has become very, very expensive. And we never, ever want to see a student-athlete graduate college uh, a quarter of a million dollars in debt to go try and find a, a, a job that's not paying a quarter of a million dollars. You know, I read a statistic the other day that the average college graduate graduates with $38,000 in student loan debt. And we really never want to see our students do that. Obviously, we want them to exhaust any and all options. Uh, there is a form called FAFSA. FAFSA stands for Free Application for Financial Student Aid. Mm-hmm. That is a program that our government has that has allocated funds for our young people to get educated. You as a family will be evaluated by the government based upon your total income, and they will dictate to you as a family a dollar amount that we that they will use to help your child get educated. So we always encourage every family to fill that form out. The government will come back. They will ask for tax returns. They will ask for financials to make sure that you as a family qualify for some sort of student uh, student aid.
0: And let's go through your criteria here. Geography. Absolutely. That's Geo- a big deal. Geography
1: right? is is integral. If you listen to our, our podcast from last week, the geography is integral when you are looking at schools. The geography is integral when you may choose to physically be there. You know, we're here in Orange County where it's seventy and sunny most of the time and when it gets below sixty five I gotta wear my parka. You know, I would never you know wanna put a kid in an environment where he goes to Princeton, New Jersey and he's inside December, January, February and he doesn't get to see the baseball field till April first. Uh, we always want to make sure that the athlete is comfortable. And you as a family ultimately want to watch your son play baseball every weekend. So you want him somewhat close enough where you can bring the family, you can bring grandma and grandpa out to come watch your son play college baseball so you have to make sure that that geography for you as a family not just you as a student but it fits for the family uh geographically you know i grew up in san diego i went to school in santa barbara where it was far enough away where i was not going to go home every weekend but it was close enough where you know i I, parents could come watch me play baseball so take a train (laughs) absolutely you know you you typically want to be within you know i'd like to tell families 500 miles i think is a good distance uh for a kid to be away from home and you as a family will know whether or not your son is mature enough whether he is social. Socially mature enough to be in that environment and be away from home. When do I start
0: emailing the baseball coach? When can I? You what can you I know, do?
1: You can email the baseball coach whenever you would whenever you would like. I always encourage baseball players to start emailing college coaches when they feel that they're. Uh, scouting report and their video is ready for a college coach to see. If you're an eighth grader and you're kind of in, still in the developmental stage, I would not encourage you to send off a video. But if you're a sophomore or junior and your skill development lends to that to that university, I would absolutely start to put together a brief email. And if you want me to go through this step-by-step, step, obviously the first step you need to do is make sure that you email the correct college coach. College coaches change hands every. That's probably
0: important, I would guess, and right?
1: Absolutely. I, I've seen I've seen a lot of athletes over the years who will send out a mass email to 50 college coaches and not blind copy them, so everybody sees and says, "Dear coach, you know." I've seen where where kids will send an email to a coach that's no longer there. Uh, maybe he retired or he got he took a different job. But make sure that you do your due diligence, do your homework to make sure that you're emailing the head baseball coach. And if the school is funded enough, they have a recruiting coordinator. Those are the two decision makers ultimately who are going to give you a roster spot who will give you a locker who will, who will put your name in the lineup every single friday night um, so you need to make sure first and foremost you're emailing the right college coach in the subject of the email i would put my first name i would put my last name i would put my graduation year do not put you know freshman sophomore junior put class of 2018 i would then put my high school and the city and state where you reside and then
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say what else would you put in that email?
1: Yeah, and and so that's the subject. In the body of the email I would put dear coach, you know, make sure that you specify dear coach Smith or dear coach Johnson. You know, make sure that is unique to that to that school. Do not put dear coach. I'd say, you know, my name is Dick Owens. I currently attend Irvine High School in Irvine, California. I carry a 3.5 GPA. I'm scheduled to take the SATs on April this on April the 8th, 2017. Below is a link for a video of my skills. I would love for you and your staff to assess the video and report and see if I'd be a good fit for your university. Look forward to hearing from you soon. You know, you make it short, you make it sweet. If you want to add a little something, let's just just say that you're emailing Coastal Carolina and you want to add a line there, hey, coach, congratulations on on winning the College World Series. That must have been an ultimate experience for you and your staff and your baseball players. Um, And say sincerely, Dick Owens, I would put my cell phone number, I would put my email, and then class of 2018. It's very brief. You're giving them information and you're asking for feedback. And when
0: when do they when can they come out and see me? I know there's all kinds of rules in NCAA, and and we don't want to get into all of them, but. Quiet period, dead periods. There's all kinds of stuff that they can do and, and see you or not see you.
1: Yeah, I, I'll go through. I'll just go through the you know the Division One process. Uh, ultimately, you as a family can go online and research when some of those dead periods are. But typically, Division One baseball coaches can can recruit athletes off site starting April 1st, uh, all the way through November 1st, or right around the first week of November. And that uh, obviously they have a certain number of recruiting days of the year that they can be off site. They can't just be off site for 200 of them. They have a certain number of days. They have to document every time they go out and watch an athlete. But they can be off campus starting April 1st. But you have to understand that in the springtime, what are those college coaches doing? They're trying to win baseball games. They're in the middle of their season. We are a spring sport. So obviously at 3.30, when your son is playing a high school baseball game, they're taking batting practice because their game is at 7 o'clock at at Cal State Fullerton. So they're probably not going to be at that high school game at 3.30.
0: Yeah, probably not, right? So let's get into some of the uh, developmental stages in that training. What, what, what should I be doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that we as a sport have really lost the art and the sight of the developmental skills and the developmental stages that athletes and adolescents need to go through. And I, I'd like to give them in three different buckets. Bucket number one will be training. And training encompasses a whole gamut of things, whether that's your running, whether that's lifting, whether that's athletic development, whether that's agility, whether that's stretching, your nutrition, your body, and obviously your recovery. You know, we have to make sure that our bodies are at at a peak. You know, I think one of the things that Major League Baseball and PEDs, Performance Enhancing Drugs, really taught us was that a stronger baseball player was a better baseball player. Right. And we as athletes obviously have to be clean, and we have to do things the right way, so we have to maximize our bodies to the best of our abilities in whatever avenue that is, whether that's running, whether that's lifting weights, whether that's athletic development, whether it's stretching, whether it's whether it's training, whatever it may be, we have to make sure that we are training our bodies to do exactly what we ask it to do.
0: And those are things I need to do on my own, right? They're not going to do that. Maybe in college they might do that when you start your weightlifting at 6 a.m. in the morning. But... I've got to really take care of myself,
1: right? Yeah, you—you know—the best coach you're ever going to have as a, as a baseball player, Dick, is going to be yourself. And you are the one that ultimately has to be able to motivate yourself. You are the one who ultimately has to get yourself out of bed. Uh, and when you do go off to college, you know the coach is not going to be banging on your dorm room door at five thirty to make sure that you're at the at the pool for six a.m. swim and that you're back at weights at seven o'clock at night. You have the onus is on you. And I always always encourage athletes to have a routine every single day of the week. Obviously, we don't want every single day to be exactly the same, but dedicate something that you can do for your body Monday through Sunday, and you know if, even if Sunday is a recovery day, that's something for your body to make sure that we are at the utmost peak um, as baseball players. Um, but there there are things where you can do where you can obviously you can hire a strength coach, you can hire a personal trainer, you can hire somebody that can help you with baseball specific uh, movements to help you progress
0: and nutrition obviously is a big thing that's uh, really becoming important.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, nutrition has become such a a a part of our world whether you're an athlete or whether you're a, a regular human being. You know, what, you know, GMO, you know, GMOs, you know, genetically modified organisms, you know, maybe they didn't exist 25 years ago. Obviously that has that has that has manifested itself. The word gluten you know gluten is things that are stuck together, which are breads um, you know may or may not have existed twenty five years ago, but obviously we are in a society now where pesticides are are part of our diets, and we have to make sure that we are putting in proper things into our body making sure we're staying away from a lot of sugar a lot of bad carbohydrates to make sure that our bodies are at the utmost peak of performance i mean we'll we'll run an event on a sunday morning and i'll see a kid who's pretty sluggish and the first question i ask him is what did you eat for dinner last night or what did you have for breakfast this morning and nine times out of ten it was high carbohydrate and high sugar and that makes his body sluggish and doesn't allow him to perform at his at his top level
0: yeah that's great advice Let's – we're going to have to wrap this up a little bit. Give us kind of a tip that you would uh, like to tell the the, the audience out there, especially the kids and and the parents.
1: Absolutely. One
0: thing or two things. I
1: think two things that I'd love to leave families with is, obviously, we need to be realistic with where our abilities lie. That is the toughest part of my job is to sit down with a family and say, hey, you know, your son's not going to go to Long Beach State, but the coach at University of Laverne would love to have your son play every single day for him. Being – realistic with our abilities and number two dick would be being proactive you know especially here in southern california hotbeds for talent across the country you have to be able to be proactive put yourself in front of college coach, coaches whether it's on video whether it's in a camp environment whether it's in a showcase environment whether it's in a term environment be proactive in this process and i'll leave you you know you have what you are committed to as a baseball player and as a person
0: and i would say contact justin and talk to him because that's a huge asset for you players out there and parents. This guy is a wealth of knowledge, and we're just touching a little of the surface here on two podcasts. This is hardly anything. So, Justin, uh, give us your information once again.
1: Yeah, thank you again, Dick. You can definitely visit our website, uh, www.baseballfactory.com. You can uh, reach us toll-free, 1-800-641-4487. Again, that's one 800 641 and your email. And email would be info, I-N-F-O, at factoryathletics.com. That's F-A-C-T-O-R-Y-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S.com.
0: Justin, I want to thank you very much for being here uh, for two podcasts. And and uh, I think we're going to have to have you back again because there's so much more to cover. We're just touching the surface on this. So, everybody, thank you very much. On behalf of Guy Lemon, this is Dick Owens reminding all of you to keep swinging for the fences.